the Marvelous Gospel, a podcast where we examine our favorite movies through a biblical, theological, and redemptive perspective. I'm Frank Gill, and I'm here with my hideous rabbit, Tommy Hutchinson. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, I don't think I've ever been called a hideous rabbit and put a smile on my face. I think if someone called me hideous, whatever, but I'm good, man. It's, uh, it's good to see you again. Um, so what movie are we actually discussing about today? We <laughs> that reference is from Ant Man, the, uh, 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 the uh, such a good movie, such a funny movie. <laughs> um, it, I, I mean, we we had to talk about this. We la- if you listen last week, Age of Ultron was, I mean, such a serious sci fi action flick mm-hmm. that had that you know I argued had is the most theological movie of all time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Where this movie is <laughs> the definition of this popcorn comedy, th- you know, uh, it's a heist movie ultimately, yeah. uh, and it's so fun. The, the 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 actors are so funny. It's so interesting. I don't know. It's just like um, it's a good movie. Uh, it's a fun movie. What do you Paul think? Paul Rudd was the perfect cast for this movie. Was it's, the it's, perfect cast for this movie. Yeah. Could there be anyone that's like that fits that like the unexpected? Guy, I mean, I mean, only the person I can think that could be a similar character, but I think he's great for his role is Chris Pratt. I was thinking like, the exact same thing, exactly Chris, the same thing. Chris Pratt is also the, the kind of unassuming. You didn't expect him to be the superhero yeah. guy, but he got jacked for his role. And yeah. I don't think, um, I think Paul Rudd got fit, but I don't think he got jacked. Paul Rudd kind of reminds me of um, Kumail, who did the yeah. uh, role in Eternals. Uh, yeah, but man. It's good. This is this is so it, he's such a good role. Uh what any other thoughts about about this before we before we Okay. Go so I teased this at the end of the last episode. So you uh you you uh marvelous gospel warriors who listened to the whole podcast the last episode. I said that I have a confession. All right, Frank, here's my confession. Watching this movie for the podcast was the first time I've ever watched Ant-Man. Whoa! Have you seen Ant-Man 2? Have you seen Ant-Man I've and the seen, Wasp? So yeah, I've seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I've seen that one a couple times. <laughs> But I literally just watched this movie and I'm like, I know how this ends because I've seen the last fight scene because thank you, television cable. But I've never actually seen the whole movie in its entirety. So while I was watching it, it was hard for me to write down things because I was enjoying it as a first time viewer. Um, And so it was this weird, like, I felt like that's why I, I don't know, like. Ant-Man is what I call the forgotten MCU movie. Like when people are like, who's your favorite superhero? And if I told you to list out every superhero, like I don't think Ant-Man would be on people's list. But with what's coming, um, with if you've seen Loki, like the bad guy from Loki at the very end is about sure. to be in the next Ant-Man movie. The Wasp, very crucial character. In fact, even Endgame, Ant-Man is clutch and crucial, incredibly crucial yeah. for for that Um yeah, there's some really like in terms of moving forward with the MCU, it's almost like Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, and um, oh, I'm blanking. Uh, Civil War are like three of the biggest movies that actually have massive, massive implications sure. moving forward. But all that to say, it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. The, uh, yeah. A a a comedic heist is a good way to describe it. Ant-Man is. Um, I don't think anyone, even before, when the movie was being like promoted. I don't think I knew anyone who was like excited about Ant Man or wanted a a theatrical release version of an Ant Man character. He is um such an interesting character. But what is interesting is the Wasp was an original Avenger, and so yeah. like um 
the fact that she wasn't included in the original Avenger lineup is interesting. But and they did some retconning because Hank Pym was was supposed to be is the Ant Man in the comics, and so they introduced this new version with Scott Lang. And there's there's a lot of stuff here that's a little different, but I think it's so good. I think it's so good. Hey, let let me uh, let me get, kind of give us the the setup, and then we can go into our observations and stuff. So we we're talking about the 2015 release of Ant Man, directed by Peyton Reed and starring Paul Rudd. Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, if you are a Lost fan, you know exactly who she is. Uh, Corey Stoll as the villain, uh, Darren Cross, Michael Pena, and T.I. I have to mention those two because, one, I think the 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 surprising star of this entire movie, as, as great as Paul Rudd was, was Michael Pena's character. I haven't seen... Um, such a background character, not even a background character, but like a second second category act character becomes such a fan favorite. I mean, like <laughs> he is every time he's on the scene, he makes me smile. And when he does these like <laughs> flashbacks where he's I was talking to my guy who was talking to her friend who was <laughs> on a date with so and so with all this, who then talked to and you're like <laughs> It's, it's so funny. And then, like, his interactions were, like, he's trying to do his job. It's so, so, so funny. And then T.I., which, why is he in this movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's just the most random casting. Like, he's, uh, he's uh, I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. Um, uh, it, it just, it was, it's just weird that he was in this movie. I don't know. Anyways, here's a synopsis. After being forced out of his company, Hank Pym is worried that his technology is going to go into the wrong hands. He recruits Scott Lang, a master thief, to use his suit that allows him to shrink and and possess super strength to prevent Darren Cross from using his shrinking technology as a weapon. I mean, it's a pretty short synopsis, but that's basically the movie, right? I mean, it's it is the the movie. There's, there's this movie was so straightforward compared to Ultron and others. It was like. Dude steals suit, dude uses suit, dude finds bad guy, dude fights bad guy. Like, I mean, it was like you couldn't get a more simplistic, but I think that's what made the, this movie so good. Because I was thinking of the timing when this was released. This wasn't soon after Ultron, and Ultron was so heavy that to go from Ultron to this was – yeah. which I thought was almost a brilliant move. And in Civil War, I joked about the forgotten MCU character. When when um, Ant-Man is in the uh, prison – the guard's like, who are you? He goes, I'm Ant-Man. I'm still – and like Hank Pym, they're like, who? Like they even like play into the whole nobody knows Ant-Man or his yeah, story yeah. arc, um, which I loved. I, I thought this movie – this is one of the movies that I think I've – you you said this in the last podcast. Um, if you didn't enjoy the, the this MCU movie, just wait three years and it'll get better. I yeah. think Ant-Man is 100% fits in that category. Like everyone who came out was like, it's cute. And now you look back and you're like, this was a major player. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it's such a, it's such a weird character. It's such a weird skill set. But what I love about, and this is where Marvel's genius com- comes in. They, I think Marvel's self-aware that this is a weird, like, like it takes a lot to believe this, right? Like, okay, a guy can shrink. Like one thing that a couple of YouTube channels talk about is like the biggest con- question, like science question is the physics of Ant-Man. Like, like, uh, so there's something in his pocket. Does it shrink with him? Um, if he's eating food, does, you know, a big, now this might be inappropriate. So I might censor this if Tommy feels like it's too inappropriate, but like one thing that they were saying, the way they're going to defeat Thanos is that Ant-Man is going to shrink 
and enter into Thanos' body somehow. I'm not going to say how people are saying he's going to enter it. And then blow up, and that's how they're going to kill him yeah. or whatever. What if does that? So if you've seen What If, you know yes, what we're talking what about. What if does do that in a little bit more of an appropriate way, though. Um, but uh, but so, like, there's a lot of, like, physics questions. But, like, I think – I thought the, some of those shots of this movie were really cool. Like, that first time when he's in the bathtub in the water, that's such a cool shot. Um, the whole, I mean, the major fight sequence on the train with – with the train and, like, it's just – it's so well done. It's so so fun. Um, my son like, walked in. My son yeah. walked in the room during that train fight scene and goes, "Thomas, choo choo," <laughs> and like, and he just and Thomas just destroys an entire house and has his creepy. Which we have that train, so the creepy eyes are real. That was a That's very funny. accurate representation. That's funny. I thought it was I thought it was a good movie, and I think it was self aware enough to know that like, like the moments like when the fighting is supposed to be really serious and intense, and then when you zoom out and see how tiny it is, how like silly it looks. Is such like a funny juxtaposition that the movie took, but hey, I I had a, a couple observations. It's not a ton. I I, I only wrote down two of them, but I, I wanted to kind of share this with you, and I want to hear your observations. One is um, uh, <laughs> so in the movie, uh, the Hank Pym only names the ants by numbers, um, and I think Hank even says like I have to name them by numbers. You don't name them by names, and so he so he decides to name them. Name one one of his aunts, Antony, Antony or whatever, <laughs> and like it's the main that he flies. And like again, Marvel does this thing where like I think all movies do this, but like they take these inanimate characters or like these animal characters, and you like feel so much for them that if you hurt them, you're gonna get irrationally angry, right? Like that's how we felt about Pizza Dog and Hawkeye, or like <laughs> yeah. uh, or like even like uh, like Groot who has one line, right? Um, but like. Dude, when Anthony died, I got emotionally like I was emotional. I was like, no. And then they like did the slow wing falling down. Like, I've never <laughs> felt so much emotion towards an ant before. And then, uh, and then, and then when 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 he's like, "You're gonna pay for that," I was like, "You better make him pay for that." Like <laughs> Anthony died, dude. I'm so mad. Um, and then, and then, uh, I said this last movie, but I wanted to say it. I wanted to wait for this movie. Because I think this is where it's most obvious. We've officially entered the two most um, mar- like you like Disney has definitely purchased Marvel, and now you're starting to see it show up. And so here's how, how I see it: in the Age of Ultron, Pinocchio is a common reference throughout that movie. He's often singing the song like "I know I don't have any strings anymore," and like he hums it and he sings it. And so there's that Pinocchio reference throughout the Age of Ultron, and in this movie. Ant-Man sings um, uh, this movie samples. It's a small world a couple times. Yeah. And so, so, so like, uh, so you're now starting to see this merge of like Disney and Marvel properties intersect. Well, yeah. Intersecting with each other. And um, this is where I'm like, obviously the production quality is like tremendously changed um, from previous movies to now, but now you're starting to see IP swap where like it only becomes, I mean, you talked about product placement for a while, like how these yeah. movies have like obvious product placement, but now you're starting to see synergy between Disney properties and Marvel Marvel properties happen more and more. Anyways, Tommy, what observations do you have? Yeah, there was a joke with that where I think it was uh, Natasha. She was like, oh, am I a Disney princess now? Because it was right after Disney for just Marvel. But um, there were a few of them. Uh, this is a little bit – so I'm going to get a little comic book nerdy. One of the complaints about Ant-Man is how they depict Hank Pym. Um, so in the comics, we just watched Age of Ultron. In the comic books, Hank Pym is actually the one who creates Ultron, not Tony. Yep. 
Yep. And so this, the fact that they introduced Pym right after Ultron, I think was not an accident. Um, it was almost like, yeah, we're going to completely change that storyline of Age of Ultron, which if you want another crazy, terrifying story of Age of Ultron, go read the comics books, Age of Ultron, because it's a whole different thing where Hank Pym creates them. Wolverine is involved in that and time travel. It's crazy. Like it's a, it's actually really fun. Um, but it's like that observation of Hank Pym, even when he says, don't, he says, makes the comment, don't trust a Stark. There's like, there's so many like allusions back to the comic books. That's good. Um, I, I would say this, was that, a, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that not a Carter reference or a Carter, the person who plays Carter? Was she not in the beginning of this movie? Uh, yeah. Yes, that was her. Yes. Okay, I, I thought played that was. by Haley Atwell too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so like that put a smile on my face because I was like, "There's an Easter egg there um, with it being 1989." I won't say how old I would have been in 1989, but it did make put a smile on my face. I will say this too: I really appreciated with the Wasp. They teased on this. This is one of those things where, like, three years later, you appreciate it more um, yeah. with the Wasp and how when he was shrinking and getting bigger, it messed with his brain. Yeah. Um, and how, so like the quantum realm side of things and how the quantum realm, which we're going to get into in a movie coming up, I think next year, the, um, Ant-Man into the, like enter the quantum verse, basically, um, quantum where it's like quantum mania, excuse me. Yeah. Where, um, the quantum realm is a monstrous theme moving forward. Uh, like in Avengers, that's a big deal. Um, and even Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I have seen that one. So I can talk about this, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, like it messes with people's brain and even their physical anatomy. And so there is a piece where the quantum realm, them even just touching on it at the time was like, Oh, this feels like a, Oh, we're just going to use some sci-fi thing to whatever explain. But later on, you're like, no, they had to introduce it. Um, it's almost like they knew the end game was coming and they needed this piece, um, which I thought was so good. I don't know. Those are like more meta things. There were a several lines throughout the movie that I thought was good. Um, we're not going to touch on this, but there was a, a time when uh, Pym is talking to Paul Rudd's character and he says, be the person your daughter already thinks you are. I was just like, man, is that not an identity in Christ issue? Like the number of times myself included where when I'm talking to people in like pastoral conversations where they're just like, I don't know who I should be. And I ask the question, well, who does Christ say you are? Like you're loved, forgiven, like all of these different pieces. Man, is that not... There's a huge, huge, like we could have, like, I actually thought about diving into that one. I didn't. There's another one I'll dive into. Thought that was good. Um, this movie has Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibes. Like, it's like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on steroids, which that's a fun movie. Like, I went back and rewatched that one recently. That's a fun movie. Like, go watch it. Um, and then there was another line in there. The laws of nature transcend the laws of man. And I transcend the laws of nature. Where you could tell, like, the wasp brain was going nuts. I mean, not wasp. Uh, what is it? Horn Yellow Jacket? Was that his name? Uh, that's his name. Or Darren yeah, Cross is, the, is his yeah. name. But yeah. Which, by the way, his helmet shows up in Loki because there's the part where he gets like completely swallowed in at the very end with the, the bomb. Where does he go? Um, oh. There's a lot of like his helmet that he's wearing shows up in the TV show Loki. It's a huge oh, Easter egg. It's in that uh, It's in that planet or whatever. It's in the or planet that? with the big cloud oh, monster. Oh, I didn't see that. That's interesting. It's, so his helmet's there. So there's questions of how does this tie into Loki? There's some of that in there. Wow. Um, there's some fun stuff. Um, there's also – this is a big – we talk about daddy issues in a lot of these Marvel movies. But this movie is weird because it's daddy issues in reverse where instead of it me having issues with my dad, it's like I'm the dad and I'm having issues as being a father. 
um, which as a guy who has three kids, like, let me just get raw. Let me get raw for a real second in the marvelous gospel. Um, (laughs) That is a very true thing. Like thinking through, am I a good dad? And I view the father differently because I'm now in that role. And how do I do this? And how do I love my kids? Well, like, dude, that is such a real thing. And so they tapped into something really good there. And the fact that Paul Rudd is willing to do whatever he wants for his kids. Now, I think he goes too far (laughs) in a few things, but that is a very real sentiment of even like we think through the father, like, like the father in heaven, like that is what he does. He's willing to go to any lengths for us. I think there's a really cool picture where the father is willing to send his own son to die for us. There's this, there's this amazing, there's a gospel piece in that, that I think is huge. Um, but yeah, there's so many things in this movie. I will say this. This may be one of the shortest podcasts that we have <laughs> because there was – when I was trying to figure out what is the big thing, what is the thing to talk about, I struggled. Now, part of that was I was watching the movie as a fan because I hadn't seen it before. But I actually really struggled in this movie to pull out like what is it? What is the one line or what is the motif or the theme? And so mine feels very much like a what's a grab bag of things that we could talk about. Oh, I can kind of pull this, but I don't, dude. Um, before we dive into those big topics, is there anything else? Any other thoughts? Any other things? Synopsis of this movie that you had? No, I mean I really enjoyed this movie. I I, I was thinking about your talking conversation about the the dad thing and and like you do see this like. There's 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 two fathers in this movie that really love their daughter, and um, you have Hank wanting to protect his daughter from from becoming like his wife, who who I, I think we're led to believe that she died. Um, at, at least in this movie, she's lost in the quantum realm and and that she's gone forever or whatever. And then um, and then there's uh, Scott. Who just wants to be in his daughter's life feels like his 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 uh, her mother doesn't want him there that she's a bad influence and like he's just trying to do the right thing but like he's I don't know kind of stereotypical stuff in that in that regard um, and you see an example of like fathers loving their daughters and as someone who doesn't have a daughter like I I I I, I think there's something like really beautiful in that kind of storytelling um, and and even the complexity of uh, of the wasp character, Evangeline Lily's character, who not uh, help. She doesn't understand why her dad won't just let her take care of it and stuff like that. And, and I think there's something that's interesting, interesting there. I, don't know, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a sweet movie. It's one of those things that Marvel does really well, where it has so much humor, such funny cinematography, but there's like enough heart in there where you can get like sentimental and find things to pull in your heartstrings. So, anyways. I do have, like, I, I do agree with you. This might be a shorter episode, but I have a topic that I think is fair to the conversation of what Ant Man's about, and mine is the topic of discipleship. And so there is this conversation I think throughout the movie is this passing on the torch, right? Uh, I was watching a YouTube video talk about this. How um, uh, this is one of the few um, legacy characters that are being brought up. Like, like almost every single character in the Marvel universe is supposed to be current. But there are supposed to be these few characters that like precede them, and this is Ant Man, which is like, I is it World War Two or something, or is it like some like I guess he was doing like espionage or something like that, and doing like certain certain things overseas uh, to help the military. But like, we're supposed to believe actually it might be like Vietnam now that I think about it. But like, um, he's like an, he's like a legacy character, and the conversation is how is he going to pass on his legacy or pass on you know what he has. 
he doesn't want to pass it on to the government because they're going to use this as a weapon. And he sees this like, he sees this like every, I mean, this is the same plot as like Captain America, the same plot as like why black, uh, black Panther doesn't want vibranium to go out. Right. Like if you give these resources, these special abilities to the wrong people or even your own government, they're going to abuse it. Right. Um, And so, so he doesn't want to sell his PIM technology that causes him to shrink and all this other stuff. Um, uh, so he had Darren Cross as a mentee, someone he was working on to him. And there's that really beautiful line or not beautiful line, but the interesting line where like Darren asked, uh, Hank, why, you know, what did you see in me? And Hank said, I saw myself in you. And then Darren said, then what happened? And he said, I saw too much of myself in you. And I was like, wow, that's like, Hank was self-aware enough that Darren was going on the wrong path. And so he pulled back. And so ultimately he found someone in Scott who loved his daughter, who was willing to have a good heart about things and said, I'm going to choose him to pour myself into and, and pass on what I have to him. And I think ultimately this is a picture of uh, a form of discipleship. So the word discipleship is not necessarily a word you find in the Bible. You find the word disciple, but not the word discipleship. And discipleship is ultimately like, it's an, it's a concept that, predates Christianity. John the Baptist had disciples. A disciple was someone who would follow a teacher or a mentor and basically emulate his life to to learn that person's way of living and then ultimately achieve, receive that knowledge, receive that the worldview, receive the truth that that person have, and then demonstrate to others. And so, that, so uh, 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 different examples of this in in, in history would be like, John the Baptist had a few men that would follow him, watch him, do you know, do work with him, and he would teach him. Jesus himself had the twelve disciples, and they would just like literally live with Jesus, and Jesus would pour into them and and show them how to live, answer their questions, teach them different things, and and when when after Jesus dies and resurrects, he says that the mission of the church is to go and make disciples, to make disciples of Jesus, to make disciples which which can mean to make Christians, but it's more than just converting people to Christianity. It's to be uh, indwelled in their lives in such a way to answer questions, to help mold and shape their worldview. It's a part of their sanctification. It's the process of making them more look like Jesus. And so as you as a person are following Jesus, you are helping mold someone else to follow Jesus. So as a pastor, this is a common question that we ask is, how do we disciple people? And there's hundreds of thousands of books probably on this, not, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but probably thousands of books on this topic. And a lot of people have different opinions on very formal discipleship training or very informal. But like, there's a couple of verses in the Bible that I think show examples of discipleship. And I, and I think ultimately what this tells me is that it's not about a specific model, but a specific action, like the action of pouring into someone else. So in Titus, it talks about older women training younger women, older men training younger men. Second Timothy talks about Paul training uh, Timothy to train others who train others. Ephesians talks about fathers training their children. Matthew talks about missionaries are to teach the nations everything about what Jesus commanded. Hebrews talks about all Christians are to exhort each other every day to avoid sin and stir each other towards good works. First Peter talks about how all Christians are to use their gifts to serve others. And Acts shows like Priscilla and Aquila 
who on, on the on the spur of the moment it seems uh, explained the way of God more accurately to Apollos. Right. So these are all different ways in which um, people are pouring into other people. And so one thing that you're if you're listening to this, if you are a Christian, you must get discipled. And so what that looks like is finding someone older than you, finding a more mature Christian than you and like allowing them to pour into you. That could be informal. That could just say, hey, there's a couple wise older people in my church that I want to uh, take out for lunch and just like ask them questions, learn from them. That could be joining a small group and sitting in an intentional forms of discipleship. There's a number of different ways that could look like, but every person ought to be discipled. The, the reason why people fall away from the faith, the reason why people have wrong theology is because of a refusal of not being discipled, right? It's a refusal of, 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 of being discipled. And ultimately, we ought to be discipling others. Now, if you're a parent, your first disciples are your children. If you are, if you're, if you're married, like if you're a husband, you disciple your wife. There's a form I would say discipleship of your wife discipling your husband. There's a mutual discipleship there. There's, there's discipleship in the church where you ought to find younger people. This is why if you're in college and you're like, who do I disciple? Well, you disciple students. Go, go join the youth group. If you're in high school, who do you disciple? Disciple your little brother. Disciple, uh, uh, go to the elementary classrooms in your children's ministry and help be a part of that discipleship process. You are all to be being discipled and discipling others. Uh, ultimately, like Hank Pym uh, poured into Scott, even though it was really, really hard to, to help mold him to be the person he needs to be, to be the Ant-Man. And in, in a similar form, we are to be um, being molded into the image of Jesus by older believers. And as believers, we're supposed to be molding the next generation of believers. Uh, uh, Tommy, what do you think about that? No, I think it's good, man. I think the idea of discipleship is something that that we don't talk about a lot because, I mean, we'll go like, it's the Great Commission, the Great Commission of Matthew 28, go and make disciples. But it's like the idea of discipleship is, is I've heard one guy put it this way. It's like, follow me as I'm following Jesus. I, I think that's that's what it is. And not in terms of like following me in terms of emulate everything I do, but it is that genuine like this is what it looked like in my life. Um, I've got men who are further on in their walk with Christ than I am that I've gone to. And I'm like, hey, help me understand. This is what I'm working through. And they're able to talk to me in their experience. And that I think it, it plays into the community dynamic that we've talked about a lot. But I, I, I think it's also, it's, it's, it's what's beautiful is it gives us, in a lot of ways, kind of purpose and design for our lives. It's like our lives is to follow Christ and to help others do it as well. Um, it, and I think Deuteronomy 6 is another passage where you talked about like the next generation um, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Lord is one, and it goes on. And then it says, um, oh, where is it? Uh, verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. That word impress there isn't like a like something that you impress, like a um, some sort of metal thing that leaves an imprint, but rather impress them to be like, hey, um, in the way that you walk, show them what it looks like. It's, sure. it, it's leave, leave, leave an impression with them that shows what it is to follow Christ. And so, yeah, I like, and I would say that there's two, there's discipleship and disciple making. It's like discipleship is as I'm walking with Jesus. How am I being a disciple and disciple making is how am I making disciples of others and helping them follow Christ? I think it's a both and. So, yeah, I think it's, it's good. And, um, it comes like you talk about the idea of mentorship. If you were going to get a job, you were an apprentice, you were walking with somebody. So yeah, if you're, if you're, I've actually had several people. I don't know if you've gotten this, but I've gotten this from several people where they'll reach out to me as a pastor and they'll be like, hey, I need someone. Do you know someone who can disciple me? 
And while I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the heart of that question, because I think it's the right question, I would ask this question in return. Who is someone in your life who's further along in their spiritual walk with Christ that you would want to be like? I, I think if, if you can answer that question and there's a name that comes to mind or a face, talk to that person, whether that's getting coffee with them, whether it's a phone conversation, a text conversation, whether it's a what, whatever it looks like, have an actual conversation with that person and be real. Ask him questions like, hey, what are things that help you follow Jesus? Yeah, what do you think, man? I, I, I think, I think I, I, when, when, when you say that, there's people who will say, well, I don't know anyone that's older than me. That or whatever, and my and I think that's a problem with like we tend to only hang out with other Christians who are like us, and yeah. like you know, this is not a podcast for me to talk about my my perspective of like uh, <laughs> different ministries and stuff like that. But like uh, uh, this might be insider talk for other pastors. But like for example, this is kind of my beef with like a singles ministry, right? Like a singles ministry only focuses on the specific stage of life with a specific age group. And if all you are is surrounding yourself with other single Christians who are within like a five to 10 year age gap around you, like then you're, you're um, kind of uh, not allowing yourself to have wiser, older Christians in your life. So this is why it's important to be a part of a local church, not just your Sunday school group or your affinity group, like a singles ministry or a men's ministry, but like to find, to find folks in your church. So like go literally like on a Sunday morning, if you see a Christian that's there, that's older, go up to them and just say hi and like start planting the seeds of getting to know them or go be a part of like the community opportunities within your church that are afforded that you can like get to know people. So maybe that looks like, you know, in our church, we have a small group model church. Um, you might be tempted, hey, I'm going to join a small group that I know a bunch of my friends are in, but maybe for this next season, find a small group that's like a mixed group that you know has like older folks in it, that has people 20, 30 years older than you. And it's going to be, you might be the youngest person. I, I can think of right now, there's a group, a small group that meets at your campus, Tommy, um, on Thursday, Thursday midday. Thursdays at 11. It's one yeah, of my yeah. favorite, it's one of my, yeah. some of my favorite people are in that group. And I would say most of the women there are at least over 50. Is that a fair statement? Um, uh, you're being generous. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one woman who I think is like in her early thirties. That's that, yep. that, that young, that woman goes yep. to my campus. And I asked her about what small group she's in and she's in that small group. Now that might be awkward because none of those, all those women are maybe grandmas, if not older. And she has like a six-year-old son, I believe, or seven-year-old son. And so like there's a lot of like, oh, guess she's not going to get like active parenting advice. But what she's going to get is an example of mature Christianity that's literally three decades older than her that she's going to be able to have pressed upon her and a vision for a future of what it looks like to be a believer past the next five to ten years. Yeah. And I think that's like that's beautiful, but it's it's it, it begins with us getting over ourselves and joining those groups and being around the surroundings, yeah. and then be being willing to listen to an older generation that has stuff to say. Yeah, and I think part of that too is it's not just when you're trying to find someone someone that's always older than you. I think that's good, and now I'm talking about like age. Like if, if you're like you're in your 20s looking for someone in their 40s or 50s, I think that's true. But you could. I know of a guy who he's a new believer and he's in his 40s and the guy discipling him is in his late 20s. And I don't think that's wrong because the other guy is young, has been walking with Christ. So it's not always age. It's actually like maturity in your walk with faith, I would say. 
So looking for that. Um, yeah, I dude, I could go on this. To, I, part of me wants to actually scrap mine and keep talking about this because there's a whole nother, there's a whole nother side of, so if you're discipling somebody, what does that look like? So I think one of the things in this movie, Hank Pym is afraid of the consequences of really letting his daughter basically live the life that he did. He's like, this is, this is what I don't, I don't want you to deal with that. So I don't want to quote unquote disciple you in that. And I would just say this, like that is a real fear. I've discipled, I can tell you discipleship stories of guys that I've discipled who um, are not walking with Christ right now. And it's hard. Like, I mean, even just the pain of that. And I see them come up on my social media and I'm just, my heart hurts for them. Um, and, and there's other, I could tell you success stories of guys who are walking further with Christ and I'm not discipling anymore. I, and, and I think this is what's so crucial is when we're discipling people, it's not about me. It's about pointing them to Christ. It's about pointing them to Jesus. It's about pointing them to scripture. It's not about giving my opinion. It's about saying, well, here's what the scripture says. Let's dive into that. Maybe I talk about my experiences. Maybe I dive into that. But I think this is one thing. I think this is where Pim misses it. He lets the fear of consequence and what might happen stop him from something great. And by the end of the movie, he realizes that, you know what? She's kind of awesome. And those consequences are probably going to come, but I'll walk with her through them as opposed to completely avoiding. I think that's a beautiful picture of discipleship in that. And I, I'm just going to, from a movie standpoint, I think Hank Pym looks at Paul Rudd and goes, whoops. <laughs> like I, I gave the wrong guy the wrong stuff. But, but uh, isn't that like also, again, Speaking of ignorance, but I think uh, history is right on this. Is like, isn't this also a picture of that's a picture of fatherhood? Of oh, like, totally. Oh, I gotta let my child be the adult that they are in this oh. in this situation, right? Like, like, uh, it's not even that he underestimated her. It's just that he was so protecting her that he yeah. was unwilling for her to make her own decisions. And so then, when you get to the end, and was like, I'm, I, I, you know, I have this for you. It's just like, she's like, finally. And I think yeah. that finally is like a quadruple entendre. Like oh. it has to do with like, finally the wasp who's an, Avenger, an original Avengers character is finally here. It, it finally is the father letting her do what she was meant to do. Finally, like there's so many finalies in this situation, but, um, Dude, but, uh, honestly, yeah. honestly, even as you say that, like the idea of being a father with my kids, like the idea of wanting to protect them is totally true. And that's our father in heaven too. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to protect us, but then this is the beauty of him giving us choice too, right? Like yep. he knows the consequences and he goes, yeah, like you make that choice. There's consequences involved. And he he goes, yeah, your eternal punishment would be gone, but there's consequences you're going to have to deal with. So I just, there's, there's, oh man, dude, there's so much in that beauty of doesn't that even make it more loving that he would be like our father in heaven would let us deal with those consequences as he's like working with it. I, I don't know. I think dude, the idea of discipleship, if you haven't heard about it or haven't talked about it, it's thick and rich and it's God's model through the church of actually passing on to the next generation, the, the, the gospel. And I think it's yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on there or no, it's good. Well, you have anything else you want? You want you have another thought? Or you want to just keep riffing off of this? Uh, I, I'll 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 give us one, and it kind of sure. actually plays into what we're talking about because maybe you're listening to this and you're kind of going like, "Wait, so I'm supposed to be discipling people?" The answer is yes. And then I think the other side is, "Wait, I'm supposed to be discipled?" The answer is also yes. It's a both and. Um, and I and I think it's learning that. And I I would say, as a person who's in ministry, the idea of me pouring out all the time but not being poured into is dangerous. And so, but I think there's also the flip side, me being poured into all the time and me not pouring out into anybody else is also very dangerous. 
because you're hoarding for yourself. Um, that's kind of my final say on this whole discipleship thing. Um, I, I think, I, like I said, we could riff off of this for a while, but I, I do, I will say this. Um, my, my, my point is kind of like, it was in the grab bag. It's not a huge, huge, huge conversation because we've kind of had parts in this and I think we'll dive into this even a little more. We kind of talked about this with guardians a little bit, but it was this weird thing of when I was watching the scene in this movie where, um, Ant-Man is trying to learn all of the different ants and what is their role and what is their purpose. I had this weird thought go in my brain. And so this is a hard left turn from discipleship conversation, but there was something beautiful in the diversity of the different kinds of ants and how they each had their different role to play within the, I'm going to say the body of Ant-Man, right? Because Ant-Man, half of his power is his ability to shrink and grow in size like an ant where he's super strong because of his other things. But his other thing is his ability to control ants in this weird way. And I just had this really crazy, okay, track with me for a second. Tell me if I'm crazy. I had this weird picture of when Ant-Man is using all the ants of the body of Christ. Now, I don't right. mean that, it, I don't mean this in like a the, the pastor, Ant-Man is using the people to get his own purpose. I'm not saying that but rather how each ant had a part to play and each was a different part in making the mission and the goal of what Ant-Man was trying to do successful. Um, it, I kind of had it this way. It's in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about one body, but many parts. And it's talking about the church. There's one body, the church, but it has many parts, but all of its parts make up one body. And it's the same with Christ. There's this weird part of me that if... I almost want to ask this question, but I don't know. Like You tell me if it's too dangerous or whatever. Is... Ant-Man without the ants truly a superhero or does that really give him a next level ability? Um, I still think he's a superhero. Let me say that. He's still a superhero because he has the big get small. I do think think, think in in his solo films, without the ants are a huge part of it. But if you remember like in Infinity War, there were no ants coming in there. (laughs) Or or Endgame, there were no ants in in those scenes. Um, But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty powerful. He is. I think. I think that. I think the ants do play a giant part. Yeah, I think, and it's one of the things. I was just thinking through the body of Christ. Like it kind of plays into our conversation we just had on discipleship. How every person has a part to play. Um, and I'm thinking through even the church at large. I was just talking with a guy where he's like, "Man, I'm trying to figure out what my purpose is or what my role is in the church." And I was like, "I think the body has." A, a, a role of discipleship is a piece of that. Love God, love people is a piece of that. Um, go and make disciples. Matthew 28 is a piece of that. There's the one another's of scripture. They're all, we're all supposed to do those, but then how those play themselves out is different. You had the, you talked about Aunt Tony, um, the ant that gets blown up. It's, it still brings a tear to my eye just talking about him. Um, but it, you've got Anthony, like his role was literally to be the, 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 the Pegasus or the flying ant that got Ant-Man around. You had the ants who were in the water tunnel where their role was to literally create a raft for Ant-Man to get into, even down to his team of misfits, T.I. and these other guys where they they each had a role to play in helping the mission move forward. And I think like that's crucial. We can watch Ant-Man and think it's all about Ant-Man, but Ant-Man couldn't do what he did if the body around him wasn't helping him. And I think the same is totally true in the church, completely true in the church. Like we are not designed to do it by ourselves. It's not a solo man sport. Christianity is not meant to be by ourselves. And that's true even not even in the work we do, but in the way we need each other. Like, yeah, just because I get up on stage and 
give announcements or get up on stage and preach or play a guitar, it that does not make me more important than anyone else out there. If anything, I think it's like how, what is to me the people that I love the most are the coffee makers because thank God for free fresh coffee on Sunday morning, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like there's a huge piece in that the the children the children's ministry who's literally doing we talk about discipleship to the next generation Deuteronomy six they're impressing the gospel. It's like the person holding the front door is so crucial. Like in the body, we may consider them a toe. You don't think about the toe as a major part of the body, but if you've ever stubbed a toe, you know how much that makes the whole body messed up. Exactly. It's like when a person's not holding a door open, not just holding a door, but really welcoming people, you don't realize until you miss that how important that is. That's right. And so that's why I'm like the body of Christ to me. I know this is like, this is a little bit of a reach from Ant-Man the movie, but it was sure. just kind of this weird picture of how beautiful when the body is functioning correctly, it creates something amazing. And I think that whole idea of this ant colony and Pym and yeah. all of these pieces coming together to literally push one piece forward into something better. It's just something beautiful that I thought there was a cool parallel there with the church. Well, they, couldn't, I don't know. The, they couldn't do the heist without the ants. Like, no. They, they were all such a crucial part and they all had to play their part. And um, I mean, I think this is... I think actually, I know you said it's a stretch. I think this is actually just a layup of like, it's the most obvious thing when it comes to the correlation between the church and this movie is how the ants play a part. Like every ant had a role from the most insignificant feeling ants to the most like significant ants, whatever that, whatever that means. It's like they all had a part to play. And then even extrapolate even further, the small little team that Ant-Man creates, like they had the driver, the, the guy in the computer. I mean, that's kind of like, isn't all heist movies kind of like supposed to be that where like there's a team of people <laughs> and everyone has their role. You have the driver, you have the guy in the computer, you have the the muscle, you have the brains. Like everyone has to play their role or it fails. And I think that's, this is a, a, a great example of this. So yeah. And I think it's going to keep playing itself out where they're trying to assemble the new, new, new pieces. I don't know. It, I was, it's funny. Like I mentioned, this is going to be the shortest podcast. I don't think, I don't know what our shortest one is, but I, I really think that we're, this is <laughs> not it. Um, (laughs) but yeah i think it's fun i thought this movie in all was a really fun movie i think this movie is setting up consequences that are going to happen in the next ant-man movie and endgame um where these characters need to be introduced where i actually applaud marvel well it's a it's a money grab where they're like let's let's turn this into two movies instead of one long one i actually applaud that they did this out of ultron because ultron was so heavy that you needed this feel but also um moving forward the quantum realm is going to be a big deal even though that was just barely teased at the end um the next movie in civil war uh ant-man's introduction and his fight at the airport is hysterical now in light of this movie it's it's a little bit it's a little bit meta because it's like he is so charmed by all the. He's like Captain America. <laughs> like, yeah. He is so charmed by everybody, yeah. and it's it's. Um, I was thinking of like I was gonna I was gonna say this like one last thing about this movie, and it's not spiritual. It's just that Paul Rudd is such the perfect casting for this movie. He yeah. um he's so he has that like Ryan Reynolds charm where like Paul Rudd can do nothing wrong, and like every time he's on scene, he's just so charming and funny yeah. and and like witty. <laughs> And, like, he definitely nails that, like, everyman character. And that's the thing. It's, like, I think at some point uh, Marvel is going to struggle with the everyman character because, mm-hmm. like, the, we, the person we had for that was Hawkeye. And even then, Hawkeye is just, like, he's an assassin. Yeah. He's, like, he's a trained assassin. Like, he's only the every guy. 
but like he can hit a bullseye every time. He's, he can kill people with a quarter. Like it's, it, you know, the every guy character is so important for a lot of movies. And uh, to have, oh, yeah. to have like um, Paul Rudd to be like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just like the, the, the humor and all, but like still carry that like superhero. The only person I think that's like, that can remotely be that like every person character is, um, is, uh, uh, what's the girl's name in, in Hawkeye? The 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 predecessor to Hawkeye. I can't think of her Kate name. Bishop. Right now. Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop is that every guy. And according to our buddies at Friends of From Work, and we're gonna just say they're our buddies because we've never talked to them. Um, <laughs> they uh, uh, they think she's gonna be the next like big big character for yeah. the MCU. Like she's gonna be like the central figure. Which I don't know how the MCU would do that. But anyways, we're kind of getting off a tangent here. Ant Man was a good movie. Um, it's so funny. I, it's 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 it's. I think it's it's the same level of humor as like a Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of just like you know joke 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 joke. Like there's just so many jokes, and then there's just enough action to be like this is kind of a cool scene. You know? I know this isn't kid friendly, so I want to be careful. But I would love to see Paul Rudd, um, Ant Man, and Daredevil on a screen at the same time. Ooh. I'm not Daredevil. Uh, excuse me, Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadpool. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think Ryan Reynolds and Paul Rudd in it uh, together would be hysterical. Um, yeah, yeah, now, yeah. granted, Deadpool is not family friendly, so that's a whole another conversation for another day. Yeah, but yeah. Um, no, I overall I thought this movie was good. I thought it was set up. I think going into Civil War, um, there's jokes in Civil War about this movie, and this movie actually is making fun of other things from the other Marvel movies too, which I thought was good. Um, I'm really excited to talk about Civil War with you next. Yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest. I I've, I I've I watched it recently, um, and I I'm itching to talk about it because there is a lot to well, talk about in that movie. It's 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 next week. It's gonna be super good. It's um it's a it's a it's a lot of people's top five. You know, like, yeah. like it's 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 one of those movies where um uh it's it's up there in terms of the best um of Marvel. Um, so I'm excited about it. We'll we'll get to that next week. Um. But anyways, it, thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope you're here next week. Follow us on Instagram and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and, and share this podcast with a friend. And we will see you next week. As we and, and remember, as we watch these movies, please, 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 please do not miss The Marvelous Gospel. Marvelous Gospel.